Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane. We're back this week with an awesome freaking episode. I have Jessica, Chief Growth and Impact Officer at DanceSafe, joining us. This was such an educational conversation. Jessica is a certified psychedelic-assisted therapist with a master's in social work and a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and criminology. Wow, wow, wow. I know my head is like, holy shit as well. Uh, She is so knowledgeable and the work they are doing at DanceSafe right now, everything from the rebrand to expanding outwards of just festivals into high schools, colleges, community work. It's just astounding. And I think everybody should listen to this conversation. I learned so much, everything from harm reduction to uh, safe substance use and everything else in between. It was amazing to have Jessica on. Please check out the links in the description as far as information on donating, volunteering, so on and so forth, where you can get their products, how quickly you can get them, their on-site locations, what festivals they're going to be at. It was just a whirlwind. And you can see me in the video. I was so tuned in. I was just wanting to ask so many questions. So I hope this conversation leaves you walking away with new knowledge on substances, consent, um, and and everything else in between. Don't forget this episode is only ad-free on my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. We have one-on-one lessons, sample packs, vocal packs, group lessons, and so much more. So make sure to hop on over and check that out. Without further ado, we have Jessica joining us from Dance Safe. Let's get into it. show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to finally be able to sit down with you. I think that talking about what you do in Dance Safe is super important to the rave culture, to the people working in music, mm-hmm. and everybody in between. You are an executive staffer, new, newly executive staffer. Congratulations mm-hmm. on the Dance Safe Committee. And you've been working with them since 2017. Um Tell me a bit about DanceSafe. Yeah, so DanceSafe has been around uh, for about 24 years. Uh, we were founded by Emmanuel Seferios, who is still deeply committed and deeply uh, involved with the organization. Uh, it started in the Bay Area, uh, primarily in the warehouse parties in Oakland. Um, he started, it was pill testing for ecstasy, uh, and we have grown into a national organization organization with uh, chapters across the United States. Um, We are primarily known for the drug checking. Um, uh, I should mention we are a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, which is very, very important. (laughs) Um, We're really grounded in public health, social justice, um, and human rights. Uh, But beyond just the drug checking, Um, We really try to shift the narrative culturally. We've got programming around consent, drugs and consent, um, 
wellness, whole person, uh, benefit maximization, risk reduction. Um, so drugs are vital to uh, the fabric um, that we weave, but um, we have really expanded in our 24 years beyond that. Absolutely. And, and you've spoken just when we sat down about kind of the expansion and the rebranding of Dance Safe to mm-hmm. where, you know, me personally, as someone, when I was 18 years old and I was at Electric Forest for my first festival, it was like, Dance Safe is out there. They have stuff. There you go. And that's how I originally started to correlate what Dance Safe was, what their purpose was, yeah. and to realize now, coming back from kind of the pandemic, COVID-19, seeing fentanyl really come into our you know nation, the world in general, it has just become something that I think not should be an option, but should be a necessity at all events, just in general. It's it's so yeah. scary to see what's going on in the front end of the industry with the music lovers, the festival goers, the ticket buyers, the people who make this whole entire industry go round. Because yeah. without the fans, none of us have a job. None of us are working. And then to even see that implement the back end of the industry where we have lost artists, we have lost friends yeah. to this, you know, I would say epidemic of, of fentanyl that has come into the nation. And, and the simple answer would be, kids don't do drugs, don't touch it, don't do it, don't think about it, X, Y, and Z. But I feel like we're coming into this age where not only is that not realistic, mm-hmm. it's it's not what I would say the grounds of electronic dance music were bred on. Um, there's a lot of forwarding science and proven theories that are being backed by drug use to really heal certain traumas, to really heal certain sicknesses and illnesses. And Mm -hmm. it's just a discussion that should be, I think, publicly talked about more. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, And I do want to uh, just let my thoughts and my heart for everyone that we have lost. It's um, terrible, absolutely terrible, and um, also very preventable. Um, You know, it's... I was a, I was a graduate of D.A.R.E. with honors. Um, We definitely have that. I still have a a couple of my D.A.R.E. shirts, believe it or not. Um, I do too. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) I love them. Absolutely love them. Um, You know, this is, this is a really pragmatic approach and a human approach. Um, As we were talking about a little earlier, drugs have been around and have been used for all sorts of reasons, whether it's medicinal, whether it's psycho-spiritual exploration, whether it's recreational, healing, uh, fun, coping, whatever that is. Um, And the, you know, the the messaging of just say no or don't do drugs, um, A, is not realistic, but B, um, you know, we, at DanceSafe, we keep trying to push the narrative forward on uh, moving away from harm reduction. Uh, We use harm reduction um, because it meets people where they're at. It is very culturally known. It's recognizable. People do, for the most part, understand what that means. Um, But for us, harm reduction isn't just about not dying either. It is this risk reduction, benefit maximization that goes along with it, where drug use in all different types of settings Um, have benefits that can be tapped into and be maximized through that. 
Um, so how do you participate in that? How do you have fulfilling experiences? How do you, uh, you know, bring health and wholeness and, and wellness into your life um, while using drugs, uh, while minimizing the risks and also minimizing the fear um, around and mitigating the fear around, um, you know, not being able to do that safely? Absolutely. I mean, you you definitely said it all where there is this this portion of you kind of have a pros and cons list. There are so many good things, whether it's I know a lot of creatives that microdose. I know a lot of creatives that they're like, okay, we're in our creative space. Our phone is away. Our computer is away. And we're just working with our guitar, we're working with our piano Mm -hmm. and we need to be in a creative space and microdosing is the way that I get there. Just like smoking weed, just like X, Y, and Z. Coffee. And you know, coffee. Exactly. As I have, (laughs) yeah, yeah. My my little caffeine addiction. Well, it's like, this is, this is just talking about coffee. You want to talk about an addiction. Oh, Um, at Dance Safe, coffee is a drug that we talk about often and it's one of our favorite drugs. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's something where my boyfriend didn't drink coffee before me. Yeah. Now I'm in the dog house. But, you know, if I don't have a coffee before yeah. 4 p.m., the migraine comes. Maybe I have a little bit more anxiety. I'm drowsy. I'm this. I'm yeah. that. And it's kind of like everyone has their vice in any way, shape, or mm-hmm. form. But approaching it the best way possible for the least amount of harm mm-hmm. is, is, you know— that should be the goal because you can't live life in fear. You can't go through the what ifs, go through the X, Y's and Z's. You have to live life how you want to live it. Mm -hmm. But it's very sad when you realize how much the body can really handle and how much you can really put your body through before it starts to go, Hey, there's something wrong here. Hey, Mm -hmm. Hey, Hey. Mm -hmm. And with the rave culture and with electronic dance music, you definitely are working in a younger demographic, younger age demographic. Mm -hmm. But I have talked to people where, you know, they're not testing the substances they're taking. They're not doing X, Y, and Z. And they're in their forties, they're in their fifties. And there are these long-term effects from the substances that they took every weekend for five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on your end, is it in, in what you do as far as harm reduction, like I would love to know a bit more about your approach there as to properly taking the right amount of substances, properly take, properly recovering, properly doing, okay, this is what you need to do the day after you need to be, you know, taking your vitamin C, mm-hmm. taking these vitamins. What do you guys do on a general basis to try and educate those people who are choosing to take X, Y, and Z substances? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, it is, it's complex, right? And uh, I will add that not only like body, but mind, right? Like what is, and a lot of, you know, people talk about it set and setting. Um, but yeah, so there's the, this like mind connection that goes along with all of these. And there is this, um you know, just say no. Right. Uh, but it's not N O, but it's K N O W, um, education, education, education. Um, and that is where we really ground ourselves back into where there are these principles of like harm reduction, um, but also peer education. 
Um, and grounding back into that like knowledge that people have and that they can, they can get, uh, to make the best decisions for them. And everybody is different, right? Like one person, like, for example, if one person has a, um, a higher risk propensity for an aspect of one substance, that doesn't mean another person will. If someone has a challenging relationship with one substance, it doesn't mean that they'll have a challenging relationship with another one. Um, but, uh, you know, and I can give a scenario of like at a booth, if you're talking about being at uh, an event, um, being uh, at a rave and we're there, like we've got some experts that you can come talk to us at uh, and bring your questions. Um, and they can range from mild. We can go all the way through almost like a, I'm an MSW, I'm a social worker. So um, I think a lot in terms of, um, you know, structural drivers of health, social determinants of health, micro to macro. Uh, and the way that I kind of look at it is like a biopsychosocial assessment almost, mm-hmm. um, where if someone comes to us and says, I've never taken MDMA before, um, what do, what do I do? How much do I take? Um, we will start asking questions around the, in, in a confidential, very confidential manner on uphold the confidentiality um, what is your experience with substances? Um, how, what, what has been your sleep? What's been your sustenance? What's been your food? Um, you know, what is your set and setting? What's your support system like? Uh, and then from there we can have a conversation. A, can we test your substances? Uh, and then B, what does dosing look like for you? What does set and setting need to be for you and walk you through all of that So you've got a, um, I guess, I mean, honestly, it just comes down to like the benefit maximization and the risk reduction um, and reducing those risks to to mitigate the risks um, of having um, a challenging experience. And challenge doesn't mean bad, uh, but make sure you have the information um, that you, all the information that you need to make those, those healthy decisions for yourself. Uh, we also talk a lot, like, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about this, about consent culture and the, we love consent program that we have, you know, what does consent look like? What does, uh, uh, platonically, uh, in relationship to people, uh, what does consent look like, um, within, uh, like sex with other people, Um, how do you navigate those conversations in a way, especially if you are under the influence of drugs? Um, and then the other portion is, um, you know, having water available to people, sunscreen available to people, a safe space to come, a brave space to come, um, you know, candy, gum, uh, just details, um, that are important to people, uh, in their overall experience. Absolutely. I feel like just what you said, there's like an infinite amount of factors that can go into what an expert may advise you to do. And still then everybody is so different. Everyone's built so different. And it's just kind of like using alcohol as an analogy where if I have a 300 pound guy who's eaten 
three meals today and he's gotten eight hours of sleep and he's Mm -hmm. going home after and he has nothing to do tomorrow. He can drink a lot more than me who hasn't eaten anything yet. And maybe I did hot yoga earlier (laughs) and maybe, you know, I haven't been drinking my gallon of water. And especially at a festival, which generally happens during the summer, you're dealing with all different types of climates. You're dealing with all different types of situations and as festival goers like myself and yourself as well, you know that sometimes shit happens. Sometimes yeah. you lose your friends. Sometimes yeah. you're alone and and you have to be, I think, really prepared for those situations if you do choose to indulge in substances, maybe for the first time. Yeah. And as far as your presence at festivals, I know that's just kind of grown, 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 grown over, I'm sure since when you joined in 2017. I would love to know a bit about your process in working with festivals because it's it's kind of like what we discussed before we started recording. It's this muddy line where it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're not necessarily advocating for drug use, but it's also like, hey, Drugs are going to be here, whether Mm -hmm. you or the event company or the government officials patrolling the event grounds want to believe it or not. And are you going to take the the necessary precautions to have an outlet there that knows what they're doing, that knows how to handle things and could possibly prevent deaths, harm, X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. on your grounds? And I'm sure you guys probably have some battles where you go to head head to heads with festivals about your presence being there or not. Like, tell me a bit about that that process when you guys do decide to work with a certain event company or a certain festival. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I did want to back up just and say two things too that that came up for me. Um, one was this, uh, the aspect of Dance Safe being at every festival. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, we need to be on every fucking street corner. Yeah. Like we need, we need to work ourselves out of the job and this should be paid for by taxpayers and, um, you know, everywhere. Um, and then the other one was that, um, what you were talking about with like different people, what we always do encourage as well is start low, go slow. You can always take more, but you can't take Take less, less. you know, less is more sometimes. So encouraging that is always really important, uh, with people. As well. So as far as uh, working with um, working with event producers and getting into events, <laughs> yeah. it's it's been I mean, it's been a journey, you know, like. It kind of goes back. So Emmanuel uh, expected to get arrested at some point for this in the past 24 years. Um, no one in Dance Safe has ever been arrested uh, for doing this work. Um, so like as political, social, and cultural climate has unfolded and shifted, that risk becomes less. Um, But in uh, the Rave Act um, that was uh, kind of snuck through Congress uh, under Biden, um, it it was an extension of the crack house laws, and it ended up uh, expanding those into uh, business owners, venues, Um, and you were able to be prosecuted, um, for maintaining a, like a drug, a drug filled environment. Uh, and there was a lot of fear around providing these types of services over time out of fear that, that, uh, that prosecution, because it's what you, what you had mentioned, if you have our services there, 
um, then we, uh, you're, you're admitting that you're a drug user. Right. And we've had to, um, we've, you know, our, our executive director, Mitchell always jokes around, um, you know, his part of his job is convincing people to do things that, (laughs) that they, that they don't, that their attorneys tell them like not to do. Um, and, uh, getting drug checking in there. You know, we, we talk a lot about plausible deniability, um, and we also are like in the business of like building bridges instead of burning them. So even if we can't have, uh, open drug checking, like we do at gem and jam, like we do at lightning in a bottle, um, where law enforcement come to us with samples, they, you know, like they're working with the medical team, they're working with security, Um, and you know, that it's a big portion of like integrated teams, um, uh, collaborative teams. Um, yeah, integrated, I think is like a really good word where all of these people have to have to work together. Um, yeah, lightning in a bottle that we were just at, we had the Rangers on one side of us and then, um, we had, or, uh, we had, um, medical and then the medical, uh, was ran by RGX, uh, who also held the sanctuary space there. So we were a very integrated team, very close to one another. So we could sense and respond to things, um, that we need to, um, oh, uh, I kind of trailed off there, but, uh, the, if we can't have open drug checking, um, but having a booth there with just our drug info cards, just having people there to talk to, um, to have information on where to buy kits, how much they are. Um, you know, even that is uh, harm reduction. Even just having our presence there is really important. So we're not an all or nothing thing. Um, and obviously it's been a long road. Um, we've been around for a long time. Um, and, you know, it's just that continual presence and improvement um, that we can make. The, the other portion that we're finding very, very helpful is um, the community demanding us being there. Um, and then another very, very important one is artists. Um, you know, Tipper has refused to play venues um, if we weren't there. They put it on their rider. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, like, if artists start saying we're demanding this, um, it is going to just catalyze um, the amount of space that we can serve and occupy within this. Um, Grizz has just partnered with us and, and brought us on tour. Um, and, um, you know, that's been a really collaborative process, but that was part of him playing at some of these venues was that this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you want me to play, you know, this is the team that I'm going to bring with me. That's, I mean, that's the way that it should be. It should be because it's like on our side from being an artist, like you look at, a hamster wheel that has to keep going round where the event company does the same thing. Like yeah. I have to have my, my manager and my agent and my artist and, you know, my person who does my artwork and my person yeah. who does my marketing. And if one person out of that very small team isn't doing their job, you're not moving forward. But exactly yeah. like what you said with the lightning in a bottle, that's how it should be. Yeah. The police should be able to bring to you something they found on the ground, something they took from somebody who had an overdose, somebody who had a a horrible reaction, bring it to you, say, okay, there's 
something on this grounds that is getting distributed that has fentanyl, that has, you know, people think it's cocaine, but it's actually ketamine. And and that could cause a whole nother thing to go into a shit storm. And without their, they do their part, you do your part and you save lives and you stop people from overdosing and dying. And I mean, it's as simple as that going to the grand scheme of, you know, extreme matters that could happen. And, you know, it's, it's very much so I think something that what you said, it's a long journey. It's definitely gotten better. I think your presence is in way more places than it used to be, but there's still such a long road to go. And even what you said about how we should be on every corner. I mean, let's just talk about the Denver homeless problem very quickly. When you, these people, I would say maybe some of them didn't make the greatest life choices, but you know what? I would say the general majority have a really bad drug problem. And, and have a really bad mental illness that is a long-term effect of bad drug use. And, and I feel like it's not just while you guys did establish in the rave culture, drugs are everywhere right now. Yeah. And, and fentanyl is something that is, I mean, when you all kind of saw fentanyl coming into the forefront, and I'm sure you all were more aware than most of us at it, when it really just started coming into the United States, whether it was coming through LA, Miami, all of those ports, Tampa port. And, you know, what was your take on what was about to happen? That You guys could probably predict that all of every type of substance that could be cut with this mm-hmm. fentanyl was going to happen and it was mm-hmm. going to hit the drug scene and it was going to hit hit the regulated substance scene. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a good question. Um we you know, I, like talking about like people who are experiencing house uh houselessness like we also partner and we think that is important like dance safe doesn't primarily occupy like um, overdose present prevention sites or syringe exchange programs. Um, we partner with a lot of them, like the Harm Reduction Action Center here are just total badasses. And we've been friends for a long time um, serving different communities and different populations, um, you know, and you're spot on with the, the like the mental health um, aspect of this and challenging substance use. And, you know, it, it goes back to what I was saying about like the social determinants of health on like how to, how to fix that. Um, I will, I will say, um, like Dr. Carl Hart, uh, he wrote, uh, drug use for grownups. Um, he has a statistic in there out of all of the research that he does, um, that, uh, 75 to 90% of drug users, even of the most stigmatized drugs, um, do those people do not meet DS, DSM criteria for problematic or chaotic use. Mm-hmm. Um, so the percentage that does is much less, but, you know, we at dance, we definitely don't want to romanticize, um, drug use, you know, we, there still are, you know, serious risks that, that can happen. Um, and people need to be aware, uh, of all of that. Um, 
What was the question that you went over? Um, fentanyl. Coming oh, into, yes. Sorry. Okay. I'm covering no. like, I'm like, oh no, my God, no, no, questions, no, no. questions, questions. Well, and it's like normally, <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I, I go this way and like my no, communications and I have things. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, like, um, fentanyl from our perspective as well as, and we try to be really careful in our messaging too, because Mm -hmm. there are people where their drug of choice is fentanyl. Like before this whole thing, you know, this whole thing became a thing. Um, there are people who that was what they want. So it is, and that's what they're expecting. So for us, it's like you, this sample tested positive for fentanyl. Okay. What now? Um, and trying to stay away from that stigmatization of fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can say um, is fentanyl, no one expected fentanyl to end up in MDMA, end up in cocaine, um, you know, and seeing this happen over time, because we we can't, we don't know the exact percentage of um, adulterated drugs out there. Uh, we can't know that what we can see is the trends on, um, uh, laboratory confirmatory testing, uh, with advanced drug checking technologies, such as, uh, drugsdata.org, um, that was formerly known as ecstasydata.org that E-Man started. Um, but oh, now, wow. yeah. Okay. Um, Airwood is now uh, running that, um, but it is, it's a license. It's the only right now licensed uh, DEA licensed um, drug testing facility where you can uh, mail in samples anonymously and then they end up online um, and it's, it's public. Uh, anybody can go there, drugsdata.org. So places like that, things that we were seeing in um, uh, local data collection, national data collection, um, you know, uh, law enforcement files, like this trend of this epidemic that started happening. Um, and that is very surprising, um, on my end, um, to, to know more about that. Um, like Mitchell, our executive director is like an expert on drug trends as well. Um, I wish he was here because I would love to hear. Um, I'll have to do that, another one with yes. him. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. Oh, and he he's he's local. So, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's local. So it would uh that would be that would be really cool. Like he his his stories would be really cool around this and like his experience watching this um over time would be would be fantastic. I can't imagine. Yeah. But um my um uh my you know, no one expected this to, to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, so. it's, it was definitely something where you're, you're a hundred percent correct, where I have listened to, you know, other doctors that have made it very clear that, you know, fentanyl was a drug before fentanyl was in all of yeah. these other things. I think it was just more so from our demographic in our electronic dance music scene it wasn't something that was, I would say, as commonly utilized mm-hmm. as, okay, as MDMA, mm-hmm. as LSD. Mm-hmm. And when it started showing up and everything, you know, just how in the demonstration that people are going to see at the end of this conversation, you can't tell. Like you, like, you could hold up 20 bags in front of me and I'd be like, wow, that all looks the same. 
Yeah. And I think that goes back to the fact of you only have one life and, and testing the things that you're going to put in your body. It's just like food. It's just like nutrition. It's like everything across the board. You know, are you going to go get McDonald's? Are you going to spend the extra money to get X, Y, and Z? Are you going to test this? Are you just going to take it on a whim thinking, okay, got this from a friend, got this from a trusted source. Yeah. We're going to be okay. And I think the aspect of being maybe a little bit over safe, being a little bit over zealous in, in thinking, okay, I need to do, um, everything that I can to make sure that, you know, my body, my temple is being the best taken care of as possible. Um, And, you know, that's where you guys step in and you're, you're widely and readily available. And so if somebody were to, you know, let's say they're going to their first rave or let's say they've seen everything that's going on, they've decided they want to take the proper steps to test their substances before going to a camping festival, before going to X, Y, and Z. Um, How would they see if you guys are, one, going to be at the festival? Two, how would they get test kits Mm -hmm. in a proper amount of time? How early do they need to order it before they're going to their festival to make sure they can test all their stuff? Mm -hmm. And would it be, would a festival grounds be the right place to test your substances if it was not being facilitated by you all? Let's say you're in a tent on the campground, whatever, it's nighttime. Is that going to leave a risk for probability of an unaccurate answer of what you're putting into your body? Yeah. um, So you can find us on like um, the website as well. dancesafe.org, uh, social media channels right now, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Rachel runs all those just fantastic. Um, and we'll announce when we are at festivals. Um, if we are not at festivals for whatever reason, that could be like, you know, why, why, why aren't we at Red Rocks anymore? You know, um, there, for whatever reason, if we, we didn't have capacity to get there, um, you know, we, we are flooding with, um, requests and event requests. Uh, there are certain places like in Vegas this year, uh, for EDC, we were trying to talk to insomniac events, Um, There is like new leadership there. Um, So we're hoping that we can reestablish a relationship with them, but we just, we aren't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're hoping that 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 one folds, but what we did this year was um, we found a a head shop that partnered with us and we did a pop-up shop. So people who were in Vegas for that could come get testing kits. We did demos. Um, we don't want to be like one of our principles is, is peer education, right? Like we do not want to hold all of that knowledge. We don't want to be the people where it's like, we're the only experts and you can come, you can come to us where we are holding that right now is the FTIR. Um, and that is, uh, it's, a. It's a like advanced drug testing technology. It basically tests your drugs with a laser. 
um, and then runs uh, that sample against, you know, three different libraries. And then each substance has its own fingerprint. So not only um, will it tell you the presence, you can also get uh, approximate percentages of what's in the sample. Um, It's a very expensive machine, um, you know, so that's something that uh, households aren't necessarily going to have. Whereas like the reagents, um, you can buy them online Mm -hmm. um, and we will mail them to you uh, with all sorts of different shipping options. Uh, It'll be in a discrete package if you need us to do that. Um, we again, pop up shops, uh, and then we also, the, the fentanyl test strips are available online. Um, um, uh, methamphetamine, amphetamine strips, sorry, um, are also online. Um, and so the pop-up shops, and then we are also working on a like retail wholesale model. It hasn't been launched yet. We're still working out the details and, you know, it, it's, we also want to be very intentional, um, in making sure that the relationships are aligned, um, that the organizations are aligned, um, that quality is there. Um, there's specific, uh, there's specific parameters around like reagents, for example, that they need to be refrigerated. Otherwise their shelf life, um, you know, how, how different, uh, retail locations would, um, communicate messaging, communicate that training. Like it is very important to us to maintain accuracy, um, non-bias integrity and, and, and hold our, uphold our mission, vision, values, and principle and all that we do. And even when it comes down to like partnerships, um, but we're hoping in like major markets, um, or where the major festivals are for sure, um, that we were putting these, um, in retail locations as well. So people wouldn't have to buy them online if they didn't want to, they could go there and get them quicker here in Denver. Things that glow, um, is our very in across the nation is our very first, uh, retail location. So if you're going to, um, Red Rocks, for example, um, we're hoping to be back at Sonic Bloom next year, you know, but if, you know, if you're going to Red Rocks and you need to stop in, uh, and do that as far as, uh, testing. Oh, so that's where I was going with that. The, um, the, the reagents, um, it, it only, uh, can tell you presence, but not pot- potency or purity. Um, okay. so, and usually the most dominant substance in those tests will come through on the, the color reactions. Um, and, um, sometimes the, also the darker color reactions will overpower, um, some of the lighter color reactions. Um, you can find our drug checking kit online or a drug checking, um, uh, instructions online. We just did all new branding, which is just stunning. Um, and, um, the new instructions just, they're just comprehensive. They're gorgeous. They can be a centerpiece on your coffee table. They're just full of ton information. Um, but like, so that the education, we want people to have this information and have these tools and have this education and have the power to, to share this with others. Um, we work with, a we talk to a lot of parents, uh, as well, where we, um, they buy this and they're the educators in their household with their kids and their teenagers and their friends. Um, I just, uh, I was at a, uh, a PhD graduation for one of my friends and I had met a mom there. Um, and she found out that I had worked with dance safe and 
Uh, she had a daughter who actually overdosed from adulterated drugs. And so after that, and it was her oldest daughter, she leaves this information out at her house. And like kids can come and ask the information, but she's got all of that information there because she knows that we live in a world that um, uh, just saying no and oh, it's just, it, it's, it's not realistic. Um, or, you know, in my perspective, not even desired. Um, so I think having the information available to you and testing every time, um, if whoever is dealing to you, um, you test every time something is sold, you purchase something, something is passed to you and it just becomes normal part of business operations. Mm -hmm. Um, that is going to expand the impact of all of this. Um, you know, demand that your dealer does this demand that you're going to do this. And, and what we've found in, in doing some of this is dealers get such an education. They're realizing what's going on and then they go levels up and then they have to have conversations. So it's like this, this like snowflake effect that ends up happening, um, where the more people who are doing it and the more we're talking about it, yeah, the more it gets communicated to others and people can add that tool into, into what, into what they're doing. So, um, you know, test everything, test all the things, um, you know, and talk about it, report it. We do, we do test it reports. And, you know, if you buy something and if you have the time, we also really encourage send it in for confirmatory testing. Um, you know, if you have the fentanyl test strips, if you have the reagents, um, take part of your sample, take what, whatever it is and send part of that into drugsdata.org. Um, the, I think that there are going to be other, other labs that may surface over the next coming years. Um, but you know, the more people can add to the like collective knowledge and the collective learning and the collective consciousness of, um, our culture and, and political and social, um, the better off we are all going to be. It's like, it's like ways, you know, like outsmarting traffic together. Yeah. yeah. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. No, it, it, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's, it's a ripple effect. And I yeah. think the, the thing that I would love to touch on very quickly is what you said as a parental forefront and the decisions yeah. you have to make as a parent where you cannot, your kids either going to do it in front of you or they're going to do it behind you. And my mother always took an approach where she's like, Hey, I know that this is going to happen. I know that at some point you guys are going to have some high school party. You guys are going to drink. You guys are going to do X, Y, and Z. And you know, it's kind of like, okay, I rather be there, be knowledgeable, be able to supervise, be able to not have somebody leave drunk, wreck their car, die, which happened in our school Mm-hmm. from some party that some kid was thrown when their parents were out of town mm-hmm. and and be proactive and have those conversations because it's very unfortunate i mean exactly what you said no no parent wants to outlive their child's life that's a it's a very yeah. very sad reality that unfortunately yeah. you know i would like to say that i was given a wonderful upbringing and i mm-hmm. still know children who passed away from overdoses oh yeah, yeah. and it oh, happens yeah all across the board, yeah. low income to high income. Yeah. And, and sometimes you just, you know, you have to be 
realistic and, yeah. and knowledge is power in anything, whether yeah. you're going for your yeah. PhD or you're <laughs> trying to, you know, understand the back end of, of, you know, substances. And it's like me personally, as someone who I've just lost too many people to yeah. a point where it's pushed me away from everything, but you know, marijuana, yeah. um, which, which I'm personally okay with. i still feel the need and I feel like I do have a responsibility as an artist to be knowledgeable about this stuff because all of my fans and my supporters, like all of my colleagues and other writers and yeah. every artist who belongs to Eleven Eleven group, you know, we know that it goes on. And, and exactly what you said about Grant Grizz, you know, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, even, even yeah. to a point where just this past week, Midtown in, I think, Atlanta, Georgia was canceled because so many artists have gun laws on their riders. No, mm-hmm. Nobody can have a licensed concealed carry. Nobody can have X, Y, and Z. And I think it really does start with the performers in a certain aspect. It does start with the parents who are able not to turn their eye and say, oh, my kid's not going to do that. My kid's better than that. Yeah. Because that's how you get a call. And, and unfortunately something tragic has happened yeah. because you haven't taken the time to talk about very serious things that I think every child encounters. And unfortunately I think the, the age in which the children are encountering this now just keeps getting younger yeah. and younger and younger. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I know, I know what I was doing at 14 and like my sister's 10 and a half years older than me and she was still playing with my little ponies. Like that's just Mm -hmm. wild to me. Um, uh, yeah. So there's a couple of things there. Um, I, so in that conversation that I was telling you earlier about the mom, uh, there was another friend there who, um, a husband and a wife, um, the husband is not as they, I would say there, there's some hesitation, um, with bringing this to children and like having these, like from dance safe's perspective, I would love to go in and do this to middle school children. In health like class. we're yep. just barely getting into it, it to college campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then there's high school and then there's middle school, but what you're saying, these things are happening in elementary school. I mean, there, I mean, and, and that's, that's just fact. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that it's happening everywhere, but it, the chance is there. And if dare could go into my elementary school, we need to have like this re-education that, that, that needs to happen. So in that same conversation, um, the wife of this other couple is very supportive and, you know, uh, having, having, uh, dance safe and trying to partner with me, having dance safe at like these community events that are more kid geared mm-hmm. and there, they, there's like a little bit of like misalignment and, and, and not tension in a bad way, but like, um, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, well, and like communication between, between people and, and trying to figure out how to, how, how to do this because it's been, you know, it, they grew up in the Reagan era too. And, yeah. um, you know, my, the husband looked at me and said, you know, how, how do you do this? Like, how do you have that conversation with your kids? And we were in this, this circle with, uh, the woman who has all of the things for her, her children and the, and the children's friends. And my basic answer is you have all the information and misinformation in the world at the palm of your hands, in your phone. And there's so much misinformation out there. So if you aren't going to do that as a parent, 
they're going to they're going to find someone else and someone else will do it for you. Yeah. And you better hope that the information that they get is accurate. Yeah, is accurate and non-biased and doesn't also perpetuate like stigma and racism and um, marginalization and criminalization and all these different things. Like this is, this is, it, it intersects, it's intersectional with everything. Um, you know, and I, and going along with like shows, I actually just got, I wanted to do it in New York, uh, in September. Um, but I, various reasons, it's just going to work out, but um, there's an entire uh, opportunity that in my personal role, uh, I'm growth and impact officer, um, reaching new people. Um, you know, we are we are primarily a, a white community base. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of our followers, a huge majority of them are, um, you know, the electronic music community. Uh, it's interesting that this was, uh, E-Man started this in Oakland back in like 98. Um, but back then, even, even the community that he served there was, was much more diverse. Yes. Um, so there is, there is this aspect of mistrust that has happened over time. Um, you know, the drug war has disproportionately affected, um, non-white people, black and brown communities to where there is a, a huge mistrust, like, um, when I talk about this, this is like, this is a, how do I want to put it? It's like, we just haven't expanded in, in to like other areas. So I got, I got, um, I'm hoping, and this is a shout out if anybody's listening to on this, but rolling loud, I want to talk to you. Yes. Oh <laughs> I want to yeah. talk to y'all. I really want to talk to y'all. Um, I really would love to um, be able to see what it looks like to bring dance safe to that. Like that is, you know, one of my, you know, that music, that culture is still happens. Yeah. Love it. And, you know, but do you see dance safe at, um, at rap trap hip hop shows um, you know, do you see it in black and brown culture the way that you see it in white culture um, or white spaces? You just don't. So there, there's this aspect of like bringing, bringing what we do and having that education, but also building trust to be able to, uh, to do this in more, since we're in like music community, in more demographics, in more genres, uh, in just more spaces, um, which is, which is also important. So, Mm -hmm. you know, more, more promoters, more artists, um, more community members, um, you know, we're, we're just getting started in a lot of ways, like from where we started to where we are, like, we got a long way. There's so much you can do. Couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like the opportunities and like the lengths at which you all could kind of strive to and grow to are really endless because you're correct in the fact that, you know, going back to what we're talking about right now is everybody from children to adults, to parents, to college kids, it's everywhere. And, and while it did start as an electronic dance music focus in which you're very correct, electronic dance music did not come from Caucasian did not come from white people. It came from 
everything but us. <laughs> and 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 it has been stigmatized and and you know the best music has yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, let's just lay that on the table um but you know even at rolling loud even at rap you know they may not be doing this drug but they may be doing this drug Mm -hmm. and it's still everywhere and then going back to the children about what you're talking about with the rebrand for dance safe you know you are talking about consent you are talking about safe sex all of that is just such a large variety of very important topics that are very difficult and uncomfortable to talk to to talk about. But once you start, I mean, I remember as a kid watching the the pregnancy video in sixth grade (laughs) and being like, oh my God, I'm never having kids. Oh my God. But then like, once you see it, you're like, okay, well that comes from having sex and what does having sex mean? And like all of these things start to kind of wind up in a developing adolescent children's mind. Mm-hmm. And and it's important that these things are talked about because the worst thing that happens is, you know, I went to a private school and I went to a school where a lot of children were kept under the umbrella. Oh, yeah. I was in a fucking metal band. My mom came with me. She doing? was like, oh, she was like the best mom ever, super supportive, like you're going to live your life. We're going to prepare you for yeah. adulthood. And I and I thankfully didn't run into these issues because I had been exposed to them at such a young age, which I understand is not every parental Friends. approach. However, yeah. the vast majority of what I saw was when, you know, the chains were taken off the kids who had been under the umbrella for so long. And now they're 5,000 miles across the country at, you know, California State University. They're getting in big trouble. Yeah. And and it's it's just aspects where the sooner you can get ahead of it, I think the better it is long term. Yeah. And and it's just kind of like takes whatever 21 days to make a habit, 2 months to make oh, yeah, a habit. Oh yeah, yeah, I get you my know? partner sends me those memes. Yeah, all yeah. The time. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it's like with the testing have it become secondhand nature. Yeah. Have it become part of the process. No, I'm not going to you know, Venmo you this and then take that. No, you're going to test it in front of me. Yeah. We're going to see yes. what it comes out yes. as. And then I'll take it. Yes. And then we're good. You get yours. I get mine. Yeah. No one's going to be hurt. And then I can confidently go through with my decision and then be conscientious of what is needed to recover properly. Yeah. And and in in the sense of, you know, when people are receiving substances and such, I know everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Is there a guideline that you all kind of go by in the sense of recovery? Like in the sense of what you should be doing the next day after mm-hmm. taking MDMA, after taking cocaine, after doing ketamine, whatever. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's different for everything. Um, but is there something that you guys tend to go by? Like as far as you should be drinking this amount of water, you should be not in the sun. You should be making sure you're eating X amount after the time, sleeping an amount of hours. Yeah. Or is it just kind of trial and error? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I do want to mention like a couple of words that just came up for me when, as you were talking to was like this aspect. And I've said it before, like participation, we need to participate in our lives and also participate in others' lives mm-hmm. um, in all aspects of it for, for health, for wholeness, um, for all of that. Um, and the other thing that came up was this idea of um, 
lost the word. Um, yeah, that's yeah. We we can go back to that at some point. There there was something else, and it was it was about um, you know surrounding like legalization and regulation is is really the the biggest mm-hmm. going to be the biggest advancement on um, on like uh, mitigating some of these risks. Um, you know, and I and I also there's also this this space of uh, I, since I'm an MSW, I can do, um, psychotherapy, uh, and I just completed, um, I worked with Pratty, which was the psychedelic research and training Institute with Dr. Scott Shannon up in Fort Collins. Uh, and then I just completed IPI, uh, integrated psychiatry Institute, their year long program for psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Um, and you know, there, there is this, this aspect of it. And, and you alluded to it earlier that there, there is a lot of benefits and, you know, this isn't just about recreational, but it's like, how do we take these medicinal aspects that we're finding are healthy and, you know, um, eh, provide the benefits and how, for me, how do I, how do you apply those outside of like a clinical setting, Mm -hmm. you know, and what do we need to do there? Um, and so like health, um, and, you know, recovery, I guess you could say, or, um, taking breaks, like an MDMA, for an example, um, there is a phenomenon that happens to some people where they, they lose the magic. Um, it just doesn't respond and it doesn't activate the same way that at one point it may have used to. And we see a trend of that happening in people who have had very prolonged, heavy usage over time. Uh, we're talking, you know, um, before this was even known, but if you're looking in the nineties, early two thousands, like, you know, for me, I grew up on triple stack Mitsubishi's, um, (laughs) before like Molly was a thing, but it was, it, it's like, um, weekend after weekend days or, you know, redosing and redosing, Um, so we try to recommend and like, this doesn't happen with everybody. Right. But we, we just say as a general guideline, you know, maybe space out your roles, um, quarterly three times a year. Um, it goes back to that, like less is more, um, you know, people can have some side effects with serotonin. Um, you, you like pour your serotonin, um, out essentially. And then you can't reuptake that for a little bit. Um, so there are supplements that, um, and if anybody ever wants to talk about those, um, I know that Sputnik does, uh, AMAs and she's just a a wizard with pre during and post supplementing. Um, and so there's a lot of advice around that. And again, everybody is different, but there are su- uh, su- uh, supplements that will that we would recommend um, before, during, and after to help uh, mitigate some of those risks and obviously maximize the benefits. Um, you know, uh, they're redosing. Obviously, we're always encouraging nourishment, always encouraging staying hydrated, always encouraging getting the amount of sleep that you're going to need. Um, you know, what's going to be optimal, optimal for you. But, um, there's a lot of information on our website. 
the stories on Facebook and Instagram as well. Like there's a ton of, uh, like a ton of quizzes and, um, psychoeducation around drugs, AMAs, um, you know, reach out to us and let us know what you don't know. Email us. Like we're, we're constantly wanting feedback and knowing what, what people need to know, but, um, other sources besides us looking at, um, Airwid, uh, Blue Light, um, you know, there's a ton of different sources, uh, to get education that you need and, and what people are doing, what's worked, what, what hasn't for them. Um, but our site definitely, we do have some like general guidelines for different substances and general dosing and, and just precautions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I definitely have talked to, you know, friends, ravers, whatever about that, like quote unquote, come down, you know, that next day where you're just like, wow, everything sucks. And, Mm -hmm. and when you do it on such a regular basis and you're not, you know, being aware of those feeling side effects, X, Y, and Z, you have to take those precautions. Yeah. And as you guys continue to grow, I know right now you have a small permanent staff, which I don't know how you guys are doing, (laughs) how the hell you guys are doing everything you are with such a small staff. Um, do you have one intentions to move at some point overseas or have you done that already? And two, if someone wanted to volunteer, what are the steps they would take to volunteer with you all? Yeah. Great questions. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Um, (laughs) yeah, we, um, so we do, we do have a small team. Uh, we have five people on staff. It's four, four executive team members and then one part-time. Um, uh, Rachel's part-time. Uh, she does all of our social media. She is the education manager. Um, and then we have Mitchell, executive director, Madeline, chief legal officer, Kristen, chief operations officer, and then I'm chief uh, chief growth and impact officer. Um, but we, we do have a very large beehive of contractors. Um, we are going through a like a, like a refresh, um, and getting regrounded and realigned with our mission, vision, values, and principles. Um, so that is going to be new. We're, we're going through that process right now, um, with a just wonderful human and facilitator named ethos. Um, and, uh, that is going to ground us not only in where we want to focus, uh, looking forward externally, um, within community and, you know, politically, social, cultural, um, but also what we're doing internally. Um, and internally, we're going through this unbelievable transformation on org design, on equitable compensation, um, and reimagining and, and working with some collaborators, uh, Vega Mala, Reframe Health and Justice. We're in those collaborative conversations now and what it could look like to, to do this, but um, reimagining what it looks like internally, um, uh, for our organization. And we're, we're reimagining this in, in this, um, anticipation of when some of this body is over, we're going to have one of the best ecosystems, uh, for employees to come over. And we're going to start, uh, transitioning the contractors that we have over to employees taking on new people. So a lot to come on, on the growth and we're having just massive amounts of growth in that. Um, so that was, that was about the team. Uh, and then you were asking about, uh, volunteering, volunteering. And like, do you guys have any 
would say like outlets overseas right now. Oh, like great Europe, question. Europe, you know, yeah. tomorrow, yeah. I think Tomorrowland, I think Rampage, I think all yeah. of the, you know, the huge clubs in London, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's issues over there too, yeah. you know? For sure. Um, so we are part of a group. Um, from with people from all over the world. It's ACDC, um, Alliance for Collaborative Drug Checking. Um, and we get together once a month. There is a summit that happens. And these are the organizations from all over the world that are doing wow. this work. Um, so we are in collaboration. We're in relationship. We're in communication. Um, we're in innovation uh, with people from around the world. We don't particularly have chapters outside of the United States right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of work that that we're trying to do here, even rebuilding after COVID. Um, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. So we're we've got a lot of work, but we have. There's definite intentions to figure out how to bring this internationally. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know what that looks like. We don't know how. We don't know when. Um, It'll happen. Yeah, we do have the connections. And, you know, there there is these spaces like Colombia, you know, they, they have organizations down there. Um, Europe, Australia, Canada. Um, in Canada, we do work really closely um, with Good Night Out Vancouver. Stacey Forrester runs that. Um, we, uh, do there, she's a close collaborator in that organization on like the, we love consent. Um, and so like we are in collaboration with certain people, uh, but a lot of these, a lot of these countries, um, a lot of them are ahead of us in mm-hmm. what they're doing. There, there's a lot of things that we're also trying to catch up to. Um, and where I, where I would personally like to to see more collaborations happening is uh, Central and South America, uh, Africa, Southeast Asia, um, less wealthy, um, yeah. you know, um, just, yeah, just at more marginalized places um, where even though they may not have some of these more privileged drugs that, you know, we, we have, it will come. Yes. It will come. And, um, how do we, how do we take those learnings and, um, the services and the programs? Um, so I would love to have a lot more collaborations, um, in, in those type of places for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and as far as volunteering, yeah. how do we do it? Uh, so volunteering, uh, you can go online and we do the first very step to volunteering is uh, taking our dance safe training program. Uh, we this fiscal year, uh, we do have a lot of plans and intentions to revamp that. Um, yeah, just overall, just make it way better. Um, no, all of it, across the board. Um, but if you go online, you can take our dance safe training program. Once you are done with the dance safe training program, um, we get notification of that. And then we can start having conversations about, uh, if you're interested in, uh, creating a new chapter, if you're interested in, uh, joining a chapter that's already there, if you just want to volunteer, or if you want to join the leadership of a chapter, uh, and, you know, become a president or, or whatever that ends up looking like. Um, but we have a lot of opportunity and, you know, we definitely rely on the support, um, and the participation of our volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would love to have you. So please, 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 um, Absolutely. you know, and even if it's just, 
you know, uh, the dance safe training program is just a great way to learn the fundamentals of, uh, drug checking and harm reduction as well. So it doubles as just a, a really great um, growth and, and learning opportunity as well. Absolutely. And as you guys are registered nonprofit, yep. um, can people donate? Where can they donate? Yep. Go on the website. There are places to, if you go to our donate page, um, we've got donations there right now. We are also, um, if there's any, I don't know how quickly you're going to get this out. Soon. Okay. Um, it, within the next couple of weeks, we do have a, uh, the website's going to be coming live. I think tomorrow it's for Burning Man. We're raffling off a couple of passes, awesome. uh, tickets and a vehicle pass. Um, and you can enter the raffle sweepstakes or raffle there. Um, and then we also have some really cool Burning Man swag that we're using as fundraising. There's pins, patches, and pendants. Um, and then you can donate, uh, directly there. Um, we take donations, um, in crypto. So if that's something that you would like as well, feel free to email me at jessicaatdancesafe.org. Again, jessicaatdancesafe.org. I'll put that all <laughs> in the description yeah. too. Um, uh, and then again, like any any questions, um, if there wasn't something that's covered in here, like feel free to email. Um, you know, we can jump on a phone call or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on today. I learned so much. Thank Usually you, I talk you. much more and I'm literally like listening. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, I get it now. I get it now. But this is amazing. I mean, I think as far as, you know, being an artist myself and then also doing the podcast space, a lot of what I'm trying to do, goal to do in the next year is expand past just having other artists on and go more into the cultural space of what is needed. And right now, you know, Dance Safe is is needed in a lot more places than it is. And and really excited to see the growth. And, you know, I know you guys will be at a few festivals I'm playing this summer and it's going to be awesome. And I'm sure our listeners will learn a shit ton like I did from this. So thank you very much, Jessica. And then before this ends, Jessica is going to do a demonstration on... Explain so oh, I don't mess yes. it up. We, we are doing a demonstration. They are all legal substances. Um, we're going to be doing a fentanyl test strip demonstration using um, powdered sugar and Benadryl. Benadryl does cause a false positive uh, with fentanyl. Um, so we're able to uh, test the fentanyl stri- test strips on that. And then we are also going to be using one of our nine reagents and we're going to be testing. Um, it is a blotter soaked in uh, melatonin. Uh, so again, legal. Uh, but we'll be showing you how to test for the indole structure in things such as LSD, DMT, psilocybin, uh, on the Ehrlich reagent. Awesome. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. I'm probably going to have you on again. I'm going to have Michael on. It's going to be great. We should do a group dance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so so (laughs) down like a little panel, but thank you very much for your time. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye all. Thank you. Uh, hey y'all, we're going to do a demo, uh, for fentanyl test strips. Uh, and we're also going to test a substance with one of our reagent kits as well. Um, we do have nine reagent kits. This is only one. It's the Ehrlich. It tests for the indole structure that you're going to find in, um, DMT, psilocybin, LSD, melatonin. Uh, and then we are also going to be testing some substances to show, uh, how easy as well the fentanyl test strips are to, to use. So we'll just go ahead and get started. Um, some of the materials that are on the table, you can easily find at home a white spot plate to do reagent testing. 
Um, if you're going to do fentanyl test strip testing, uh, you can use bottle caps. A standard bottle cap holds about a teaspoon of water. Um, all of the measurements that we are going to share with you, uh, you can either, which I actually forgot, sorry. Okay, uh, you can, hopefully this will be edited. Um, you can either use a milligram scale that you had at home, or we also sell these micro scoops online um, for about a dollar a piece, and they are exactly 10 milligrams. Um, and then obviously teaspoon, water, so most everything that you're going to need, you're going to be able to find at home. Uh, so we will start uh, with the uh, fentanyl test strips. Um, the first thing that I will say is the reagent testing is very important. Uh, one of the most important things to know, two most important things to know about fentanyl is first, um, you need to know what substance that you're testing. Um, these strips are the BTNX strips. It's usually what you're going to find. They're the gold standard right now uh, for fentanyl test, uh, for fentanyl test strips and harm reduction. Um, but they do cause false positives on um, MDMA methamphetamine. So for methylated drugs such as that, the dilution ratio needs to be uh, 10 milligrams per teaspoon of water. All other drugs, uh, you need it to be five milligrams per teaspoon. Um, knowing what drug that you have is very, very important because uh, then you know the dilution ratio. And the dilution ratio is very, very, very foundational. Um, if you don't get that dilution ratio right, you may have uh, over dilution uh, and it can over or under dilution and it can cause false positives or false negatives. Um, so we are going to test uh, as if we have MDMA right now. Um, one of these is going to test positive for fentanyl. And I will let people know that this is just powdered sugar and one of them does have Benadryl in it. Um, so completely legal substances that we're testing for. Uh, and I will go ahead and put these up and see if anyone can tell which one has the fentanyl in it and which one doesn't. All right, so then what you're gonna do, I don't have a milligram scale with me. Um, I'm gonna use um, one of these micro scoops. I'm gonna do two separate ones just so I don't contaminate uh, which one is which. And I am going to put 10 milligrams uh, for one teaspoon of each in here. And we'll actually do, what I'll do is I'll do three teaspoons. So 30 milligrams of each. All right, and then you can take your water and one, two, three, one, two, three. And then you'll take each one of your, or you'll take your fentanyl test strip you are gonna to wanna to hold it by the blue end. You're gonna put the fentanyl test strip in the solution uh, on this end, but not past the line. Uh, the water is going to uh, rise up in capillary action. Um, if you have fentanyl, uh, it will be it'll have one line on it. Uh, no fentanyl is two lines, so positive one line, negative two lines. Uh, and just so you know, these are repurposed um, urine test strips, same thing as pregnancy test strips, anything like that. 
So if we mix up the water really good, let me get the other test strip here. Hold it by the blue end. I love these ones because they just kind of let it sit. And then wait about two minutes. Um, you I'll actually pull these up. You can actually see um, the water will start pulling up on those. Sit down for a second. And you can see on this one, that second line is starting to appear. And then on this one, it only has one line. And as these sit for a couple of minutes, those lines will appear a little bit darker. Um, do note that a faint line, uh, you do wanna treat it as it's there. And then if there is any question, use another fentanyl test strip. Um, I will hold these up. So this side had fentanyl in it, this side didn't have fentanyl in it. And you can see this is positive, this is negative. Uh, and it's that simple on that. Um, so now I will go ahead and move on to the reagent. Like I said earlier, oh, there is one thing that I do want to actually say about the fentanyl. One of the most important things, if not the most important thing about fentanyl is the chocolate chip cookie effect. Um, so you can have a lethal dose on one side of the sample and not have it on the other side of the sample. Um, so it is the very best to test everything that you intend to consume. Um, if you plan to take 120 milligrams of MDMA, dilute that 120 milligrams uh, in the right amount of water. Um, if you decide not to uh, do that, uh, there is a way to estimate it with taking the residue in your baggie, but it's a completely imperfect science. Um, it is not reliable uh, as it would be uh, testing everything that you tend to consume. If you are trying to test for a drug like cocaine uh, that you would snort, um, there are recovery methods that you can find online. Um, it could be baking it in a Pyrex dish um, to recover that back if you'd like it. But again, um, follow the instructions very, very closely, um, very, very closely, uh, and test everything that you intend to consume. Uh, so I will now move on to the reagents. Um, I only have one right here. It's the Ehrlich. Like I said, it tests for the, the indole structure. Um, we do have nine of them. Uh, you can see the different color reactions in our brand new color charts. Um, but I will just do one just to show you how to do it. We're going to assume that we have LSD and we're going to take the blotter paper and we're going to cut a little corner off of the blotter paper. Oh, stuck on there. Come on. All right, we'll put a little bit of the blotter paper on there. Um, the science behind that, or the theory behind that, is that when, uh, when the drop goes on the paper, it will uh, expand out um, and it will be absorbed by the whole paper. That also isn't um, always accurate. Um, you can assume that it will hit one of the four corners. So if one doesn't turn um, the color that, that you're expecting, 
um, then you can always, depending on how many tabs you have, you could always cut it in the middle um, and you can safely assume that the LSD would hit the middle at some point. Um, so you put the sample down, you'll only need about a small corner of this if you're testing MDMA. Um, there are uh, several different reagents for that. You would only put um, like a, a needle pinpoint of the sample on the spot plate and you would do three for MDMA uh, and then you would be able to um, you would be able to, to test for uh, the different color reactions. Um, so we're gonna do the Ehrlich. Take it off. You're gonna wanna hold it above the sample. Uh, you don't want the sample to end up hitting the, um, this, uh, you don't want the, the reagent to hit the sample, otherwise it could contaminate the entire bottle. Um, what we are expecting uh, Ehrlich to turn if there is a indole structure uh, is this deep purple that you can see here. Um, Ehrlich, depending on the, uh, the temperature outside, if it's colder, it may take longer uh, to, to turn that purple. Um, so you sometimes have to wait up to 10 minutes. Um, in the booth, we would say that this substance is a LSD-like substance if, they, uh, if someone was expecting LSD. And that's it. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. I learned so much. <laughs>